We've all survived something in our lives. Every single one of us in this room has gone through something. Whether it's heartbreak, loss, abuse, humiliation, rejection, violence. Every single one of us has gone through something, and yet so many of us suffer in silence. We pretend everything is fine, even to the people that we love the most. We lie to our loved ones, maybe because we're scared of what they'll think. Maybe because we don't want to be a burden to them. Or because we believe that nobody around us will understand. Maybe they'll judge us. The truth is, when we struggle alone, we're teaching everyone around us to do the same. We're isolating ourselves, creating and enforcing a culture of disconnection and solitude. But when we have the courage to be truly vulnerable and show up even when we're struggling, especially when we're struggling the most, we become resilient as individuals and as a community. We're unstoppable. Tonight, I'm going to share my story of choosing resilience in the face of violence. And while I'm speaking, I want to invite all of you to reflect on your own experiences, not with comparison or judgment, but with genuine compassion for yourselves. Because no matter what it is that you've survived, you have the power to find faith, joy, and freedom in your life again. By surrendering in faith, reaching out for help when you really need it, and focusing on finding your path to happiness, you'll inspire everyone around you to do the same. The Quran states that God does not burden any human being with more than they are well able to bear. In January of 2016, sitting in a hospital waiting room, I believed that was a lie. Just didn't make sense to me. Over the past few years, I had experienced horror after horror in my life, and I was at my wit's end. God had given me more than I could handle. My faith started to unravel in 2006 when a bone-shattering bullet tore through my leg in a shooting that left the man next to me dead. The shooting was so random and unexpected that I didn't see or hear anything coming. I was going into my senior year of college, traveling, exploring, working. I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and I still was trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. Dancing was my biggest passion, but I didn't know if I was bold enough to really pursue it. I didn't realize that it could be taken away from me in seconds. I traveled to a family wedding that summer, and we went out one night. One minute, I was out with my cousins talking and laughing, and the next minute, I was praying on the cold, hard floor while blood from the man next to me inched toward my face. Bullets continued to spray around us, 
and with shaking bodies piled on top of me and people running and screaming in terror just trying to get away, I accepted that I could lose my life at age 21. When I survived, I didn't know who I was anymore. I didn't know who this new version of me who had experienced such horrifying violence was supposed to be. I didn't know how to wrap my head around any of it. I told myself I was lucky. After all, I wasn't the one who died without getting a chance to say goodbye to my loved ones. Surrounded with more love and attention than ever before, I felt broken, lost, and alone. I rolled into my senior year with a wheelchair refusing to take the semester off that my doctor recommended. I was determined to pretend everything was still normal, but I felt like no one understood what I was going through. Even I didn't realize at that point how much that one event, just a single night, would shape the way I reacted to the world around me for years to come. While I moved through life with a smile on my face, I was hiding anger hopelessness, and constant fear. I thought I was being strong for everybody else. I thought I was settling their worries. I didn't realize that people around me wanted to help but just didn't know how. I graduated and I passed up a dancing fellowship in Egypt because I was still struggling with my physical recovery. I stayed close to home and I became a teacher. I did my best to protect myself by keeping my world small. I allowed my fears to guide me. My new normal almost felt bearable. Until just two years later, my good friend died in a chemical explosion at UCLA when she was working there as a researcher. She was only 23 years old. I couldn't find Allah through my tears, but I screamed at God anyway. All I could see were tragedies around me and my world spun into chaos. Each day I was bracing for the bad news to come. The only thing I had faith in anymore was that bad things happened every day and there was literally nothing that any of us could do about it. Because I hadn't learned yet, how to heal from my shooting. Every additional struggle that I experienced was an even heavier weight for me to carry. So in 2016, in that hospital waiting room, when the doctor told me that my baby, my tiny two-pound baby who had been born three months early, had to have surgery on his liver, and that he only had a 33% chance to live, all I could hear was, your baby is going to die. I held my womb and I cried in excruciating pain. I cried for the three other babies I had lost before him and I couldn't fathom losing him too. I told the doctors and anesthesiologists my baby's name, Hezekiah meaning God is my strength, and that he had a family. 
brothers and a mommy and daddy who loved him so much. I needed them to understand that we couldn't lose him. I needed them to care. I couldn't lose him. But when they rolled him back into the operating room, I was alone again. I knew that there was nothing else I could do to pull my baby out of this. In that moment, I turned to God and said, I give up. I can't do this. You've given me so many trials, and I've tried my best to survive, but I just can't survive this one. I knew I couldn't. I didn't even know if I believed anymore. I thought the Quran was a lie. <laughs> For years, my prayers had turned into empty chants and movements, disconnected from any emotion. But in that moment, I literally had nowhere else to turn. It was too much for me to handle. So I surrendered. I let go of trying to survive and I just surrendered. It wasn't until I hit that breaking point that I finally built up the courage to ask for help. Because the truth was, I wanted to be heard. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be held. But I was so scared. And when I finally allowed myself to be vulnerable with those around me, to admit that I couldn't do this alone, my heart opened and I finally asked God to carry me. Waiting hours in that hospital room was excruciating. It was more painful than I could have imagined. But that pain helped me realize the truth. It's not that God doesn't give me more than I can handle. It's that we can handle anything if we're willing to turn to God and surrender. The Quran says, but give glad tidings unto those who are patient in adversity, who when calamity befalls them say, verily unto God do we belong, and verily unto God shall we return. With the support of my husband, my family, and my community, I learned to let go of trying to control everything. And I allowed myself that, to trust that everything would be okay, even if things didn't work out. The word Islam means submission or peace. I've called myself a Muslim my whole life, but I only discovered true Islam when I was faced with something that terrified me, the thought of losing my baby, and surrendered to the idea that I would somehow make it through, no matter the outcome. I learned how to surrender in that one moment, and I've continued to do it every day since. In the years since I reached that breaking point, I've learned that every fear that I face and overcome brings me back to Islam, to peace. And I don't have to find that path alone. As a result, my life has expanded and been filled with more love, compassion, and community than I could have ever imagined. 
God has given me so many gifts through these trials and I'm so incredibly grateful for every single one of them. He's, they've introduced me to a deeper understanding of passion and joy in my life and a connection with my loved ones and with my purpose that I would have never had otherwise. And even though I thought it was taken away from me, I now dance with more joy, more freedom, and more passion than ever before. Every time I dance now, I think of the decade that I couldn't walk, run, or dance without debilitating pain. And I dance for everyone in this world who still struggles in that way. My dance is an act of gratitude. It's my testimony and a reminder to myself that I can overcome any hardship that I survive. I now work with survivors of gun violence, as Hesna mentioned, across the country, helping them find their own path to recovery. I get to build communities, encourage others to reach out for help when they need it, and guide them to help find the same peace and freedom I'm so blessed to know. In my work, I'm surrounded with people who have lived through their worst fears, the most horrifying trauma you could imagine, and have learned how to find their way to the other side to fully recover and even find joy in the process. Whenever I bear witness to the hope my fellow survivors embody in their everyday lives, it renews my belief that we can truly overcome anything. The Quran says, everyone who surrenders their whole being unto God and is a good doer of withal, is a doer of good withal, shall have their reward with their sustainer. And all such need have no fear, and neither shall they grieve. There are a number of reasons that I chose to pray after my shooting. I prayed out of guilt because it was prescribed to us. I prayed in fear because I didn't want to go astray and face more of God's wrath. I prayed out of desperation because it was the only thing I knew. None of those prayers helped me grow closer to God. That's how my prayer became empty, staged faith. It grew increasingly difficult to get myself to pray at all. When I was struggling the most, I reached out to my mentor, Tasneem Noor, the faith connector. She encouraged me to set an intention in prayer. Instead of praying by default, I learned to choose prayer and to ask God for exactly what I needed. I often start with, Allah, please, Help me open up my heart to you. Please carry me through my pain. Please guide me to turn to you instead of all of the other things I turn to to distract myself when I'm hurting the most. I no longer pray out of obligation. I choose to pray because it's healing for me. It's my salvation from the frantic thoughts in my mind and the walls I often build around my emotions to protect myself. Because the truth is, I have emotions that I can't go through alone. 
thoughts that turn into debilitating fears. When I find myself avoiding prayer, or if I have trouble being fully present in my prayer, I call myself out. God, please guide me in opening up. Help me to be vulnerable with you because I'm scared right now. And then I wait. I calm the thoughts in my mind and I let go of tension in my body. I allow myself to be fully present and loving to any emotions I feel as I recite my suras. And when my feelings are too overwhelming, I reach out for help from my community. I've experienced emotions and panic attacks that were so scary I thought I was dying in the moment. They would bring me right back to the night of the shooting. They were feelings I knew I couldn't go through alone. Shaking and crying, I would lay on the floor with my body spread out and open to God and allow myself to be vulnerable in the silent presence of love, in a position of true surrender, knowing that I was safe to fully connect with all of my emotions as I was being held. My prayer, whether in community or alone, has become a meditation, not an escape, but a safe, time and space to fully feel my emotions and allow myself to be carried through. By eliminating guilt and obligation and by reaching out for help when we need it, we can free ourselves to make the choice to pray when we seek the kind of overflowing love, transformation, and comfort that only God can provide. When I began to practice prayer in this way, I started wanting it all the time in my life. Now I find myself setting the intention to surrender God to God, not just in prayer, but literally in everything that I do. When you surrender to God's will in everything you do, you no longer have cause for fear or regret because everything you do is in God's greater guidance. That starts with intentional, vulnerable prayer. I believe that it's only after you surrender yourself to God, including all of your fears, that you can find true faith. Until I was carried through my deepest pain and came out on the other side, I hadn't learned to trust with all of my heart. I still believed that I had a breaking point because I had felt that my shooting had broken me that the only thing it had really broken was my true faith. I want to distinguish what I mean by true faith versus blind faith. Blind faith is often used to dismiss emotions or painful experiences in the absence of surrender. When we aren't trusting our whole selves to God, but we say things like, it'll all work out, inshallah, God willing, or it was meant to be, or we're so blessed to be alive. We're using words of faith to dismiss our actual experiences. I used to use blind faith all the time, but I never really believed it inside. True faith comes from deep trust and guidance from God and can only come from a place of surrender.
It was from that place that I realized that throughout all of these years, I wasn't being tested or punished like I thought I was. God was allowing me to experience what I needed in order to discover a more expanded, faith-filled, joyful version of myself and a closer, more transformational connection with God. As the Quran says, God is near to those who have faith, taking them out of deep darkness and into the light. By practicing the inside-out paradigm that peace activist and transformational coach Mamoun Yusuf describes in his book, Inside the Soul of Islam, I learned to change my thoughts in the moment in order to change the world I was experiencing around me. And I continue to surround myself with others who help me rediscover my faith whenever I lose sight of it. I used to be constantly scared of my surroundings whenever I was in a public place, on guard for a potential attack at any moment. Everywhere I went. After the San Bernardino shooting in 2015, I even bought escape ladders for every office in the second floor of my building. Using my newfound faith, when those worries came up, I would first create a plan. If a man comes in with a gun, I'm going to hide under here or run out that way. Once the practical application of my worries had been put to use, I would surrender and then choose faith instead of fear. Not blind faith, but true faith. I wasn't ignoring my emotions. Instead, I allowed myself to fully feel whatever was coming up and then trust that I was safe right then. Once I mastered that practice, I took the next step to trust that even if somebody did come in with a gun, that I would be okay in the end. Because I know now that I can survive anything. And if God writes it to be my time, I trust that God's plan is always better than mine. That faith has guided me through even the hardest of experiences and fears. It's made me more courageous than I ever thought I could be. I learned that courage isn't the absence of fear. It's making the choice to face my fears and move forward in faith, allowing myself to be held and to be guided in the process. Now, having spent most of my life with a focus on protecting myself from all the scariest parts of the world, it had never occurred to me to use my newfound faith in the same way to move forward. Many of us use our faith to come to peace with our past experiences and trust that everything comes into our lives for a reason, for God's greater intention, and then we stop there. We move through life with gratitude and trust but we often still feel like there's something more for us in this world, or something greater that God intended for us. So what's holding us back from making the incredible impact that we wanna see in this world? The incredible impact that we all know we're capable of. Yet again, it's often fear. Fear of what could happen if we try, Fear of who we'd be if we succeed. Fear of how we'd feel if we fail. 
You can probably live a fine life surrendering in faith without taking those frightening steps toward your dream. But I want to share with you what becomes possible when you take that timid, emotional, scary step toward your dream from a place of faith. On every birthday when I was little, I had the same wish. So every year when I blew out the candles, I would wish for peace on earth. As far back as I could remember, that was my biggest dream. But I never told anyone. Because if you said it loud, it doesn't come true. <laughs> so I kept it in. I never told anyone until I got older. As I experienced more and more of the hate, the violence, the suffering that this world had to offer, I decided that world peace was impossible. I laughed at myself for how strongly I used to believe in something so outrageous. And I told others about my silly dream now that I knew better. In the current state of our country, with more and more shootings taking place every year, people being targeted for their race, for their religion, for their sexuality, their politics, I think many of us often feel like we're bracing ourselves for whatever horror could happen next. The idea of world peace sounds impossible, doesn't it? But how dare I utter the word impossible when I believe in an all-powerful God? It says in the Quran that God has the power to will anything, period. Not just the easy things, anything. And I believe that with all of my heart. So now with a heart as open and eager as I was when I blew out those candles as a child, I turn to God and instead of trying to say what is or isn't possible, I say, use me. I don't know God's timing. I don't even know if I would get to see it in my lifetime. But I believe with all of my heart that with God anything is possible. So I continue to say, use me. There is no ending to God's blessings and no limits to our dreams. Right now, I'm living a life far beyond anything I could have imagined even just a couple of years ago, even just a year ago. I walked with a cane for years, and now I can run, dance, and even play soccer, which is one of my favorite sports. I was scared for my life in public places, and now nothing holds me back from going wherever I want and enjoying every moment of it. For 10 years, I was scared to talk about my shooting with even the people I loved the most. Now I share my story with strangers around the world every day. It's even been published, like Hasna mentioned, in publications like Cosmopolitan and women's health magazines. I didn't feel worthy of being a leader to create the change that I wanted to see in this world. Now I'm the world's leading coach for survivors of gun violence. I lead online Feel Safe Again programs, and I travel around the country giving speeches, hosting community resilience workshops, and spreading hope, something that I lost sight of for so long. I used to instill fear into the hearts of my children, 
I passed on the only thing I knew about survival. Now I get to support them in facing their fears, taking leaps of faith and dreaming as big as they possibly can, knowing that with God's blessings, all of their dreams can come true. Even my baby Hezekiah's. He's now a healthy, happy, very ambitious three-year-old big kid. Don't call him a baby because he'll call you out for that. With a heart, mind, and spirit of his own. Just imagine if all of us turned to God in surrender and in true faith with our most impossible, ridiculous dreams. And instead of doubting ourselves or doubting God, we turned to God and said, use me. That's what our prophet Muhammad, may the blessings and the peace of Allah be upon him, said. That's what he did. That's what Abraham, Jesus, Mary, Moses, and all of God's greatest messengers did before us. So if we're asked to follow in their footsteps, let's start with believing that the biggest dreams that God has placed in our hearts are possible. I wanna urge everybody in the room to just raise your hands up if you can. Just raise your hand, yeah, just humor me. Just raise your hands up in the air. And I want you to hold your biggest dream, whatever childhood wish you had, no matter how ridiculous it feels, that massive change that you wanna see in this world, I want you to hold that in your mind and heart. And in true surrender, with a tender and open heart, I want you guys, when I count to three, so wait till I count to three, I want you guys to yell out, use me. And I want you to yell it like you really mean it. You're yelling out into the world, out to God, use me. Okay, ready? One, two, three, use me, yes! Let that be your intention for this Ramadan. Let God use you in whatever way is needed in order to create the change that you desire to see in this world. When you take those steps toward your dream, growing older isn't scary. It's exhilarating. Instead of feeling like years off your life, each new year is filled with gifts and opportunities. I've gotten to let go of control because my life has become an incredible adventure led completely by faith. When I want something, I open myself up to the possibility of it then I take action, no matter how outrageous or scary it seems. When we do that, we inspire others around us to do it too. When you take each step forward without hiding, you become a breathing testimony of God's greatness. You can believe the impossible is possible without allowing failures, otherwise known as lessons, to get you down. My good friend and mentor, Christian Michelson, often says that success is not only possible, but it becomes inevitable if you let go of the how and when and just trust and follow your inner guidance. When one of us is bold enough to follow our dreams, we carry the rest of the community with us, inspiring them to pursue their own. That's exactly what's brought us here today. 
Hasna followed the dream Allah placed in her heart and created this incredible space and community for Muslim women to thrive. I can honestly say that I wouldn't be doing the work that I'm doing today if she didn't have the courage to create the Women's Mosque of America. It was here that I rediscovered my faith. I found guidance to move forward, and I gained the confidence to become the leader I was meant to be. When the Women's Mosque of America first opened its, opened its doors and they said, come as you are, to me that meant so much more than just my clothing. To me, it was the first Muslim space I walked into where I felt like I could be completely myself. I could ask the questions I wanted to ask and grow in every area of my life. I want to express how genuinely grateful I am for this space, for this community, and for you, Hasna. Thank you. Thank you. Your dreams paved the way for me to pursue my own. That's how this works. When we're courageous enough, sorry, I'm getting choked up a little bit, because this place really means so much to me, I can't even express it with words. When we're courageous enough to follow our dreams, we invite all of those around us to rise with us. God says, we have made all the signs manifest unto people who are endowed with inner certainty. So what signs has God made clear to you? And what fears might be holding you back as you move through this spiritual, blessed month of Ramadan? I encourage you to continue to reflect on your dream or your childhood wish, to surrender in prayer, to reach out for support, and to use your faith, that inner certainty, to guide you in taking the next step or leap forward. This world is not only ready for your dream, it requires all of us overcoming our fears that so often divide and isolate us, to reach out for support and to take action in order to make the impact that we all want more than anything right now. I can't end without saying something and acknowledging my mommy for being my role model as a courageous, resilient, and strong Muslim woman. There's so much, Mommy, that you taught me about community, about surrender, faith, and how to live and truly enjoy life. You are the embodiment of love. Thank you. I love you, and happy Mother's Day. Thank you.